Hello there and welcome to Ask Deb About Business. I am Rom Gaioso, co-host. We are broadcasting via Futures Television, the home of the future on television. If you're watching this show on Futures Television, listening to it on Radio Futures, or listening to it as a podcast or as a recorded event on one of the social media platforms, you too can be part of the conversation. Please just visit our YouTube channel and that is IMCI Magazine, where we continue to chat about the topic of the day. You can also access this information on our website, and that is www.futurestelevision.com. So don't be shy. Today, our topic is emotional intelligence and empathy, how leaders can create a healthy work environment. Emotional intelligence and empathy in the workplace have become a hot topic in recent years. With most workplaces moving past the outdated idea that employees and employers getting personal only serves to create an unproductive and unprofessional workplace. In reality, the opposite is true. An emotionally connected workforce can be more engaged and productive. Emotional intelligence and empathy make it much easier for employees to improve their relationships with coworkers and create a healthier, happier, workplace. Becoming attuned to the needs and wants of others has been shown to improve emotional well-being, making it easy to foster relationships built on trust and mutual understanding, which can positively affect how employees and employers work together. Well, there's a lot to talk about on this topic, but worry no more now. You have someone to talk to. So first, let me say a few words about the show. The talk show is broadcast every other Thursday at 11 a.m. Central Time, where I join Deb Deeds to discuss a variety of business topics. So no matter what your venture is, you will certainly have questions. But worry no more. Now, you have someone to talk to. So before I get started, let me say a few words about Deb Deeds, the host of the show. So uh, Deb is, uh, has a long and distinguished career as a coach, as a mentor, and through her awesome training programs at SMB Digital Education, she has enabled many entrepreneurs to follow their dreams. And that's exactly what I like about her. It's her ability to deliver practical advice to help you solve real problems. If you have a business question, well, let's ask Deb. Well, without further ado, let's welcome Deb Dietz to the show. Hi, Deb, how are you doing today? Hey, Ron. Great to see you. How are you? Wonderful. Uh, I'm so excited about uh, the show today. So we're going to be talking emotional intelligence. Say a few words about that. Absolutely. There's a lot to a lot to talk about. And uh, I just wanted to, before we get started, um, just uh, welcome everyone to the show. We are streaming live today. We are not in our home studio of Butterfield Studio in Vernon Hills, Illinois. And uh, we do want to shout out to Jeff Horvath and the Butterfield team. Thank you so much for hosting us in the studio today. We are we are not in the studio, but we will be for the remainder of the year. So again, uh, thank you so much to Jeff and the team. I also wanted to welcome all of you to the show, wherever you're viewing or listening from, wherever you are in the world, we're delighted to have you. Our show really focuses on emerging trends, challenges and opportunities that face small to mid-sized businesses, business owners, business leaders, business professionals, and we invite subject matter experts on our show, so experts on those topics. And my promise to you is that by the end of our time together today, you will have at least one key takeaway that you can then make your own and implement within your own business. So our show is all about practical guidance, practical advice, how-to steps that you can make actionable for your business. And today I am delighted to welcome Mohammed Hamoud to the show. Mohammed is an expert in emotional intelligence and empathy, and he works with business owners, leadership all over the world, helping them craft healthy workplace cultures and provides the skills and education and knowledge to help these businesses develop workplace cultures that are positive, that are inclusive, and we're delighted to have him with us today. This is going to be a wonderful show. So before we get started, let me say a few words about Mohammed Hamoud. 
So Muhammad's passion is to empower entrepreneurs, CEOs, and business leaders to help them learn, grow, and thrive by strengthening their ability to influence others, grow their leadership skills, and scale their businesses. As the founder of Desire to Lead, Muhammad brings a unique background in transformative leadership, diversity and inclusion, and leadership development, and works with mid-sized organizations to design engaging and inclusive cultures and develop their leaders. Ex and executive coach, he simplifies emotional intelligence to help clients build positive habits so that they can lead with clarity. So let's welcome Mohammed to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. So good to be here with you, Rome and Deb and your guests, everyone who's joined us. So great. Thank you for people who are taking time to be with us today and to learn about the wonderful skill of emotional intelligence. My pleasure to be here. We're just so excited to have you, uh, Mohammed. There, this is such an important topic. And since on the show, we focus on you know key trends that are facing business owners. This is a topic that is um, risen to the top of importance. And I, before we get started in our conversation, I'd like to just take us a, a look, take a look back to last year, and 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 then you know kind of get set the stage for our conversation. And so last year, we and we pay attention to emerging trends facing businesses. We you know we love to watch Forbes every year. They publish the top trends facing SMB, small to mid sized businesses, business owners. Last year, the, the trends were quite different than they are this year. So last year, and, you, and as soon as I sort of list some of them, you'll, 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 they'll, they will make sense to you. Last year, the number one key trend facing businesses was securing emergency funding. So getting your PPP loans, you know, making sure that your business maintained its financial solvency was critically important. In addition to things like leveraging technology to innovate, to create new products, to develop your mobile app, to improve your online presence. Those were some of the trends last year. This year, the trends are different. So the number one trend this year, according to Forbes, is emotional intelligence and empathy. In addition to mental health in the workforce, employee safety, and work-life family balance. So you can see there's a shift towards our people, to our employees. Uh, and so that's why we're talking about emotional intelligence today. And so part of that conversation, I think we're gonna also cover the skills that are required, the skills that need to be developed, that business leaders, business owners have to start developing skills related to emotional intelligence and empathy. You know, you think about typically business owners, leadership are focused on financials, they're focused on their customer, the value that they're providing to their customers. They're focusing on their internal processes and operations. And those types of roles require hard skills. You know, to be a CFO, to be a COO, you have to have hard skills. In the areas of emotional intelligence and empathy, kindness, these are soft skills that we need to start implementing into our business. We have to start providing knowledge and transferring knowledge to our workforce so that we can start begin to create these work environments that are healthy. And so before we can really delve into some of this topic in, you know, in detail, we have to define it. So Mohammed, let's start there. Can you help us, help us define emotional intelligence? What is it? Thank you, Deb. I'll start by simplifying it. Think of emotional intelligence as the opportunity to get to know yourself, so to become more self-aware. The better you know yourself, the better you know your emotions, the more you can positively influence how you behave, how you respond rather than react in various situations. So you can control stress. You can be in control of how you present yourself with others in a workplace environment, at home, in any situation. When you understand yourself, you start understanding other people better. So think of emotional intelligence as first, the opportunity to know yourself better, to know other people better, and to use that data, to use that those strengths to create resilient, strong relationships. At the end of the day, whether we're at home or in the workplace, what is our goal? To understand others, to work with them, and to work on shared and collective goals. And that's what emotional intelligence helps you do. Back to you, Deb. No, I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You know, I think, uh, you know, 
having this conversation today is really interesting because I had a lot of people say to me when they, you know, I was talking about having you come on was, you know, why do we need to know about this? Why is this so important? And, you know, like I said, everybody is so focused on the, you know, the day-to-day of their, of their business operations, but, you know, your people are your greatest resource and greatest asset. So, you know, this really speaks to the need for leaders, business owners, business leadership to start to, you know, how do they, how do they begin to develop this culture of self-awareness of, you know, kind of stepping outside of themselves and looking uh, externally uh, and being aware to the needs of their people, you know, and, and what does that mean from a leadership's point of view? How do leaders become more effective in building this kind of positive culture? So before you get started, uh, uh, following from Canada, so Shafak is saying hi. Uh, British Columbia, Canada, saluting you. Thank you, Shafak. Wonderful. So Deb, if I may respond and, and make a comparison between how you started the, the session today, you were talking about businesses and how what were the greatest trends in 2021, which businesses were looking at how they can um, readapt to this new and next normal, to try to understand technology better. Because what was happening for many, many years before the pandemic, we were all working on you know automatic. We were all just you know, coasting along, getting work done, focusing on the bottom dollar, making sure that our clients had what they need. And that's not wrong. Our businesses are there to solve a problem for us, to make sure that we have what we need to be able to give our clients and everybody stays afloat. What happened with the pandemic was unprecedented. Nobody could see it coming and nobody knew how to react. So the fact that these trends were the top and center with people's minds and businesses' minds and business leaders in 2021, because we were trying to understand, hey, how do I react? How do I respond to this new or next normal? So people were looking at how do I adapt to technology? We went from being in person in the studio to being online virtually. So it's not uncommon that businesses have to do their own self-awareness to understand their, you know, physical and their their situational presence with their potential clients. Now, if you look forward to that, where we are today, we're thinking about, hey, how do I do that well? Well, that's why the top trends are now, how do I leverage skills, essential skills, as I call the soft skills? How do I leverage skills like emotional intelligence, empathy, so that I can continue delivering the level of service that our clients need and and want from us. So while businesses started to respond to the trends and the needs of a changing environment, global environment, now leaders, individuals, parents, sisters, brothers, you and I, we're starting to understand, hey, I can't take these soft skills for granted. I need to understand them. And the key is understanding that these soft skills, these essential skills have been with us. Well, probably when we were in the cave, we just didn't recognize them or use the language that we do today you know, to name them in the way that we do. When we start naming our emotions, when we start naming our skills, we can understand the value that they bring and start building and developing them. And emotional intelligence really comes down to five tenets, as Daniel Goleman uh, explains, self-awareness, motivation, empathy, awareness of others, and using that to build strong, resilient relationships. As I mentioned earlier, whether you're a business entity, an organization, or an individual, when you start increasing, becoming more self-aware, understanding the needs of others, you start understanding how do we come together? How do we find common ground? How do we make sure that we can get our work done by focusing on the most important, critical uh, resources that we have, and those are our people. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, if you're going through a Tim Hortons, what we have up here in Canada, or a McDonald's drive through if you're going through a drive through but you don't have people at the window serving you what you need, you're not going to be able to pick up your Big Mac or your, your coffee. You need to make sure that you're taking care of those essential workers that we so depended on during the pandemic so that they can continue to deliver to your clients. And when you do so, you have an organization that is that is aware of the community, aware of the organization itself, aware of the teams, the individual teams, but also aware of the individuals on those teams. And that's where emotional intelligence becomes the key critical component and tool for us as leaders to move forward and create workplaces that are inclusive, engaging, and empowering to our our individuals and our employees. 
Mohammed, a question from Facebook. Uh, they they really want to know is is this for real? Meaning, uh, will this trend continue? And in the workplace, will be people pay attention to us as as human beings, or is this just a fad and it's going to go away? It, it's not a fad. I was at Starbucks uh, last Friday afternoon, and I was sitting down, and there was a couple sitting beside me. And three times in the conversation, yes, I do this sometimes. I listen to people's conversations. It just happens when, when you're in the sort of work that I am. They use the word emotionally intelligent three times in the conversation. I was surprised because I thought only people, you know, nerds like me really cared about emotional intelligence. People out there are understanding that while IQ, your intelligence, may get you a job, it's your emotional intelligence, how you interpret the data and how you use it how you understand your emotional intelligence to be able to create relationships, to relate to other people, to understand how others want to get things done. And that's something that we've been doing all along. I think the pandemic has awoken, you know, awakened us to recognize that we need to do it differently, we need to be smarter about it and not get lazy now that we're starting to create the next normal. So is it a trend? Possibly right now people may see it as a trend, but it's a skill set we've always had and one that we need to continue to nurture and develop. You know, I, I love that. and I appreciate that. You know, you talk about nurturing and developing those skills. So what does that actually look like? So the skill development component of this, you know, as business owners, business leaders, you know, what does that work actually look like? We all learn to ride a bike sometime in our lives, right? You know, whether our parents put our training wheels on and then pushed us down the street, we look back and we're, we made sure that we had our comfort zone behind us. But as we got better, we started going forward on our own. We started exploring the neighborhood, going around the city. Eventually we were riding, no hand, you know, hands-free. It's the same thing when we're learning a new skill. There's always the fear, but when you overcome that fear by becoming more, having clarity around what you're doing, becoming more confident about how to make, you know, take, to make decisions that allow you to be courageous and take risks. That's how you become consistent and you start becoming more committed to and loyal to your outcomes. Building a skill means that you have to be courageous enough to keep trying. You're going to fall, you're going to fail, and that's okay. It's part of being human. It's being able to get up once you've fallen off the bike and keep going. So if business is trying to reiterate, try to do something new, try to adapt to this next normal, the best thing that they can do is test the waters. What's working well? What can work better? What needs to improve and what needs to stop? The same can be applied to us as individuals is constantly pause, reflect, reframe, and then respond. When you learn to pause, to, to, to pause and to reflect on what you're doing, to reframe the situation and then to respond, you become a lot better than just being reactionary and impulsive in every action that you take. Wonderful. I, I appreciate that also. Um, you know, just a, a, you know, kind of a general sense of, you know, we've got a lot of folks that are watching today that are in, the, you know, the human resources area, you know, and they're, you know, really charged with making sure that they're, you know, retaining their good people, that they are, you know, uh, have the ability to acquire great talent, you know, keep that talent, uh, maybe have an aspiration to become, you know, one of the best companies to work for. Right. So, you know, the companies that become com great companies to work for, you know, usually exhibit the trade of being known as having a you know, positive workforce culture. So when you're looking for ways to, uh, you know, to be attractive to potential higher you know, talent, um, you, you know, what what are some of the things that the business can actually do to reflect that that is a kind of culture that they are exhibiting? You know, what what are some of the ideas that they have or the ways that they're communicating to potential hires to say, hey, you know, we are you know, known for being, you know, an organization that is inclusive, you know, that we are, you know, that we are, you know, a, you know, we have, you know, exhibit kindness, you know, amongst ourselves, that we take care of our customers, we take care of our people, you know, what are some, some tips for businesses today to present themselves that way as being one of those, you know, great companies to work for? Um, and if they don't currently, if they're not known for being, you know, having a positive workforce culture, what can they do specifically to, to get there? What are some of the steps that they can take? So role model, don't role play. What happens is many organizations and the individuals in those organizations have great aspirations, they have good intentions, but talk is cheap. When we don't role model 
our values. When we don't role model values that are aligned to actions and behaviors built on trust, people see through that. And when we're talking about the great resignation and quiet quitting and other trends that are we're recognizing, these are things that have been there, but we're recognizing and they're becoming a lot more uh, common these days. Companies have to recognize if they're going to keep, attract, you know, talent that, you know, talent, talent that they want to, to keep and, and explore and develop, they need to make sure that they're role modeling behaviors and aligning those behaviors with their actions. A lot of the time, leaders are above the law, so to speak. They don't believe that they should have one-on-ones and provide feedback because they're busy running the company. Mm-hmm. Well, if your employees don't see that sort of role model, they should see lip service. What they're seeing is role playing by their leaders and therefore middle managers are now role you know, role modeling that same attitude with people who, you know, report to them. So I, as a middle manager, don't feel that I have to sit down and have a one-on-one provide feedback to my employee because my manager doesn't do it. So when leaders are not setting the stage and leading, you know, leading by role modeling, they're just full of talk, but not, you know, action that aligns with their values. People can see through that. I think that's why people leave organizations. That's why people get despondent and they realize that, my values don't mesh with the values of the organization. I can no longer stay there. Or worse, they stay and they quit. And that's what we're seeing these days. So as a leader in an organization, what are your values? Do those values align to what you're telling people and to the, those, you know, what you're saying to people? Do they align with your behaviors and your actions? If so, continue having those uh, conversations. And look at people in the organization who become ambassadors to, you know, to, to show others that they're actually role modeling this behavior and celebrate them. When you continue to talk about it, when you have values that that, that align with, with your actions, and then you can celebrate people who are actually living out those values, then others, you know, it's infectious that other people want to do the same. And you see now an organization that is united. And that's how we create an organization that is not only engaging, but one that is inclusive and actually works towards a, a sense of equity and belonging as well. So you're talking a lot about behavior. So Facebook questions. So they're very worried that, you know, people are no longer listening. You know? um, they st- wait for someone to, to shut their mouth so that they can respond. They didn't actually process the information or so act- no active listening skills, etc. So what is your advice? What can people do actually uh, to help or coach others to actually listen and engage before they start responding? So this is an old adage. We say, listen to, you know, are you listening to respond or are you listening to understand? So active listening means that I'm listening to you to understand, to understand your needs. And this is how we develop empathy. Empathy isn't about having an answer or a solution or even advice for people. It's actually listening to them to understand what their needs are, what their concerns are. Because when you let people weigh in, they will buy into your vision, to your purpose. I have something called the four L's. So when I talk about simplifying emotional intelligence, simplifying EQ for people, when I talk about how do we develop our EQ to become more aware of others, it all starts with listening, the four L's. You listen. When you listen, what inevitably happens? You learn. When I learn about you, what happens? I develop compassion or love. And when I come from a place of listening to learn to love, I start leading myself in a way that others can also become leaders by emulating the good things that I'm doing. You can only truly empower others to start leading in their own right when you become someone who leads from a place of listening, learning, and loving. When we don't proceed leading with those three L's, then our leadership is really seen as one where we're self-serving. We're thinking only about our, ourselves. We're thinking about, hey, what can I get out of this? True leaders want to understand what do you need to get out of this? How do you want to approach this? How do you want to get things done? When I as a leader understand the personalities of the person I'm working with, their needs and understand their priorities, now I can shift. I, I can reframe what I need and what I how I work to adapt and collaborate with the other person. Because at the end of the day, I can work towards a goal, you can work towards a goal, but if our goals are not aligning and they're not shared goals, then we're all working independently. And that can get very expensive for organizations because nobody's on the same page. They're all in the same boat, but they're rowing in different directions. And guess what? We're not gonna get very far. 
you know, it's interesting. Earlier in my career, I had a role in customer service. I was a customer service manager for a manufacturing company, and we would teach our customer service representatives. Um, you know, we called it effective communication skills, right? We had an actual curriculum for, for that. One of which, one of the topics was effective listening skills. So, you know, it's kind of interesting you know, when I'm hearing you say this about the importance of, you know, slowing down long enough and, you know, stop looking to craft your response so quickly or being so quick to craft your response as opposed to just stopping long enough, pausing to, you know, listen to what's being said to you. That's a skill that takes skill, but it's also a teachable skill, correct? Absolutely. Something I've learned from being a parent that I've applied in the workplace is that role modeling starts with what you do at home. When you just apply something at work, but you're not applying it in your personal life, it can come across as a bit superficial. So I often tell people, make sure that there's an alignment between the persona you exhibit at work and the one that you exhibit at home so that you can be a lot more uh, of a person who's seen as trustworthy and full of integrity. What happens when you pause long enough to understand what the other person needs, you're now understanding how they see the world. You're shifting into their perspective. And, you know, empathy is like looking sideways and being able to see through that window what that person is going through, what they are experiencing. You're literally stepping out of your body and your mind and your perspective to see what the others are seeing. But what are you doing there when you're listening? And listening is not only with these two ears, listening with your eyes, listening with your mind, listening with your heart. Wholehearted listening means that I'm listening to pick up on every cue and to listen. My body language when I'm sitting with you virtually or in a room, am I listening to you or am I open and listening to you? Am I leaning in to understand what you're saying? Am I acknowledging? Our body language can also show, show others is our listening as, 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 is it, are we really listening? How sincere is our listening? Are we just paying attention to you because we're getting ready to respond, as you said earlier? Or are we learning, are we listening so that we can learn and from there just be able to come up with a better solution? Rarely does listening mean you have to respond. Sometimes the best response is letting the person know you hear them, you understand them, and you validate them. And a lot of the time in a, in a workplace, people are looking to be validated and understood and valued. That's what they're looking from us. They're not looking for us to give advice as managers, as leaders. You don't always have to tell people what to do or how to do it. Listen to them, help them come to the options and help enable them, empower them, and then hold them accountable to be able to put things into action, to take those words and to actually move forward, to get on that bike, to take off the training wheels, to go down the street, to explore you know, your neighborhood and your journey, to get those hands up and raise them and say, I've done it, I followed, I've got a few scrapes to show for it, but I've been able to get on that bike and I keep going. Well, you do have a very good choice of words in there. So I want to introduce a different one that people from Facebook are asking. So you talk about leadership skills and leaders, but a lot of us and myself, I had the same experience, worked for a boss, yeah. not a leader, so uh, is it really possible to help a boss transition to a leader? What kind of uh, advice you have for people who do not work for a leader, work for a boss? How can we help that person acknowledge that, you know, the list the four L's are important? Uh, you know, how can we help that person transition? Because it not, will not only help that person, but will help the company, will help the bottom line, and certainly will we'll help the team. So what strategies can we adopt? Or is it even possible to help that person transition? Yes, because it's a skill, as Deb and I talked about earlier, and when, when, you, when it's a skill that you become intentional and aware of building, and you have the framework, you have the right systems, and start putting the right habits in place, and hold yourself accountable, and you're reflecting, yes, it's possible. But I want to come back to the way you said, boss. And I have a lot of people, I work with people who call me jefe or, you know, in Spanish, you know, hey, boss. And it, it is semantics because sometimes people use the word boss in an endearing way. Other times they use boss and I don't want to use any four-letter words here, right? Keep in mind the word leader itself shouldn't denote a positive nuance. Leader, if the person is self-centered and they're leading for themselves, can also have a negative, you know, uh, a, a, a negative meaning behind it. It's what is the intention 
or whether you are a boss, a manager, or a leader, if your intention is to be of service to others, if your intention is to understand what is important to others, how do they get things done? How do we understand all the baggage that somebody is bringing with them and create a psychologically safe environment where they can be heard, where they can grow, where they can learn, where they can develop, where they can fall and fail and still have the courage to get up and know that you're there. Whether you're calling that person a boss, a manager, a leader, a friend, a colleague, a mentor, a coach, we shouldn't get caught up in the semantics because leadership and leader is a word that's abused and overused. We want to understand the person I'm working with, my boss, my leader, my manager, what are their values? Do I see them role model those values on a daily basis? Or do I just see them pay lip service and expect me to do what they're telling me to do, but they don't do themselves? So when we see people role model and not role play, these are the sort of leaders that we need, the sort of leaders we want to support, the sort of leaders we are driven to by their charisma, whether they're introverts or extroverts, whether they are people who I high, excuse the expression, high ranking in the organization, our CEOs, or the people who are the supervisors. A leader is not by role, a, re, a leader is by how they behave. So again, it could be your boss, it could be your leader, your manager, your jefe, whoever that person is. Do their values align with their actions? Do they role model or do they role play? And that's how we get attracted to our leaders. That Those are the leaders that involve us in decision-making, use their influence to lift us up and inspire us to become better people ourselves. Deb, I think he's going to have to be back because the people on Facebook are, are really excited about this conversation. And I think the, the real issue here, and where I think they're trying to take the, uh, the conversation is about the toxic relationships at the workplace and people are very concerned about that. I know that is not the topic of today, but just you mentioned the idea, the leader as so the servant leader uh, model and, and some people do embrace and others don't. But I think you need to come back. That we're gonna have to have him come back to talk about uh, toxic relationships in the workplace. Oh. So people are really <laughs> There's, there's so much to unpack here. Absolutely. You know, and I, I'm hearing, you know, uh, Mohammed, when you're speaking, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, there for, you know, lead, people who are leaders today, this is critically important. But I also think about those that are on the leadership track, right, or they're on the path to leadership. And so developing them as leaders seems to me that uh, organizations who have identified who those, you know, high potential, you know, potential leaders are, should have as part of some of their learning objectives in the organization, um, start to develop an awareness of, of this topic and the skills that are required so that when they ultimately get to that promotion or get to that next level, that they're, you know, that they have that, uh, that they're starting to build that competency so that over time they become a very effective leader. You know, and, and I, I love the comment that you made about, you know, authenticity and about how leaders need to, you know, walk the walk, talk the talk, right? So, you know, just, sit, you know, providing lip service is not effective and it's not authentic, you know, and maybe some of that is the, you know, one of the, the root cause, you know, reasons why we've had so many people leave the workforce and, you know, become entrepreneurs and the numbers are staggering when, you look at it, look at all, you know, 7 million new entrepreneurs since January of last year, you know, they're leading their companies in droves. And, you know, you know, you have to kind of look at the underlying root cause for that. Um, and I'm sure there are lots of things underneath that. But to, you know, to your point, if you're working for someone that is not exhibiting the traits or the values that you hold dear, then, you know, it makes sense that you're going to move on. And so I think that there's a lot to be said for, you know, putting some concrete objectives and strategies in place to provide the skills training to leaders, uh, to those who are up and coming leaders and 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 actually having that live on their strat in their strategic plan so that's something that then they can be held accountable to because you also spoke about the need to drive accountability right um and so you have to be able to drive that accountability to have the impact that you're that you that you're looking for so um let's just bring it back quickly to empathy a little bit i know empathy you know we, we certainly have an understanding of you know what that might look like to walk in someone else's shoes but that to me that means you have to really know that person know your people, know your team, you know, have an understanding of who they are as individuals. I think that's really important. But can empathy work against you? 
I you know it sounds good, right? It sounds like you know that's a great way to build relationships um, to you know show that you are authentic an authentic employer. But can they have a downside? Yes, by all means. And Deb, if I may, just before I respond to that, just go back to the definition of empathy and how you explained it. Absolutely, I agree with you that we do have to know our people. I still think today, though, and the way that we're leading in, in this post-pandemic and ongoing, trying to lead through and out of this crisis and define the new normal, empathy doesn't have to be, you know, I read a book and I become an expert in empathy. As I'm walking down the street, as I can help someone who's down and out, somebody who's homeless, somebody who needs a meal today, somebody who's without a job, uh, somebody who's just fallen off the bike, so to speak. Empathy means, can I do something to be of service or to help someone else? And, you know, gratitude, which is, it can be related to empathy, it's shown that when we do things for others, we feel good. And the best way for us to feel good about who we are is to do things for others. Think of empathy as doing emotionally good for others. And when you have the intention of being someone who is helping another person, you're going to feel good and that other person is going to feel good. You don't have to have the answers. And let me, you know, Brene Brown gives a wonderful explanation of empathy. She uses the image of somebody falling down a dark hole, a dark cave. And, you know, when somebody falls into a dark space, our desire is to get that person out. But empathy can work against us when we jump down that dark hole and sit beside that person because now, the rope that I've you know, pulled down has fallen or the ladder is no longer there. And what's happened is both of us are in this dark space together. When you think about what happened in the pandemic, doctors, essential workers, nurses, those people were burnt out. They could no longer support the people they were working with because they were burnt out. How many videos did you see on TikTok of nurses crying because they can no longer take it and they were putting in hours and hours trying to help other people? These people were getting burnt out because the sort of empathy that they were showing, exhibiting, was one where they were going down into this. Well, now I'm not judging or, or, or uh, criticizing how we help others during a pandemic. We didn't have a crystal ball. We didn't have a playbook for it. But I want to just highlight that when we, as an, an individual, fall into the hole with others and we don't have a way to get back up ourselves, or help the other person, then yes, empathy could actually be something that works against us. So keep in mind that as you're sitting there to help somebody, not necessarily having the answer, but listening to them, just letting them know that you're there, that you're trying to understand, make sure that you see the light. Make sure that you can see the hole where you can put the ladder or pull on the rope. Because eventually what that person wants from you and needs is a way out. And you can a way out from that person. And rarely does a way out mean that you have to have an answer. It's not about, well, you know, I've, my mom's fallen down the stairs and your response is, so has my mom. Or I got a divorce, uh, you know, last week. Oh, you know what? My parents just divorced. I know what that's like. They're not looking for sameness. They're looking for somebody to say, how can I help? Or what do you need? Or I'm here. That's empathy. So, Yes, it, it helps if we know the person more because we, we can regulate our emotions and our response. But even when you're walking down the street, and I've taught my kids, hey, if you're walking down the street, don't just think about giving five bucks to that homeless person. Actually go and engage with them and ask them, how was your day? Have you had a meal? Would you like to have a meal today? Would you like coffee? And maybe that's what they need more than the five bucks. So it's a matter of understanding how does the other person see it and what's important to them. And that's how empathy can actually help us in the workplace, by understanding the perspectives of others and trying to shift those perspectives so that they form part of our, uh, our, our self-awareness as well. So, Mohammed, a follow-up uh, from Facebook, uh, and that's in respect to people from different cultures. So, for example, in Latin America and the Middle East, our idea of uh, physical spaces closeness, right? Here in North America, uh, we want more distance, but they're saying, well, what about when you go cross culture? So someone in Asia that, how do you show empathy without inviting their personal space and someone's privacy? Because if you say, well, you know, my cat died, they may say, 
why are you telling me that? So, you know, uh, how do you create a situation where you can travel across cultures and promote what kind of a behavior uh, or what advice would you give for people who are working cross cultures in some cultures or some people are just introverts, right? They, they just cower down and they don't want to share and they don't want you to share with them either. So how do you do in those situations? Listen, listen and seek permission from the other person. I'm Middle Eastern and I'm Muslim. And in our, in my culture, I don't normally look eye to eye with you. And you know, in our North American culture, if you don't look eye to eye, it's a sign of disrespect. Or sometimes you could be accused of lying. You know, some people don't shake hands, other people may bow. So you're not expected to know the customs of every culture. It's just impossible. But empathy is a natural response within a situation. How we behave after we feel empathy and start exhibiting empathy, the actions we take to exhibit, to exhibit empathy, whether we're looking somebody in the eye or whether we're extending our hand or, you know, imagine you go up to someone who is not for them in their culture, you don't go and hug them and then you go and you embrace them. That, to, to them, that's probably more offensive than your intention, of right? And so it's a matter of listening and asking them, for example, how can I help? What do you need? Is there anything I can do? Tell me more. Have the, have the conversation and, just, and don't assume, right? That, that's it. And, and again, I'm listening. Yeah. I'm inquiring. I'm seeking permission. And sometimes the body language and, and right, and once you've made that eye contact and it's just how people are responding to you, that's all they're looking for. And in a time when people are faceless, you know, I mean, we're all three of us on the Zoom call, you know, we're, these days, we're encouraged not to push people to turn on their cameras. So we can't see what they look like, how they feel. In an environment, whether you're working with somebody in Japan or somebody just down the street from you, make the effort to reach out to that person before, during, or after the meeting. Say, hey, Joe, just want to see how things are going. How are you? That's empathy, too. Wow. So let's talk specifics about the uh, the roadmap to get to the place where you are known to be a you know a, a, a great you know company to work for, um, where you are you know you have you're known for for uh, having these you know your leaders and your people having these soft skills. You know they have to you have to build to that. So when, you know, and I do strategic planning for a living. So, you know, when I, you know, listening to you speak about this topic and I'm thinking, you know, when I'm looking at my strategic plan for my business, you know, how do I make this actionable? Right. So how, what is the roadmap that I need to, to lay out for myself and my leadership team in order to start to build these skills you know, Mohammed, you do, you know, tr you know, training and educating business owners, businesses all over the world. You know, you're giving you're helping them build that roadmap so that they can, you know, make the difference and make make the shift, I guess. Um, what does that look like in practical terms, you know, so that you can start to focus on these objectives? Um, what are the strategies look like, the tactics because ultimately, you know, you get what you measure, right? So as part of any business strategy. So what would, you know, what would be some of those objectives, strategies, tactics um, that would then allow a business to say, you know, we're, we're having an impact, you know, we're focused on this as a key business strategy. This is what the work looks like, you know, and then of course sharing that with, you know, their people and their, you know, the people, their employees so that the employees start to understand that this is a priority for, you know, the company that I work for, you know, we're, we're, we have it on our strategy, on our strategic plan, we can see the work that's being done, what the work looks like, how I contribute to that, how I'm going to be held accountable as, you know, senior leader, maybe a middle manager, um, you know, so that you can start to actually impact positive change for the long term. What is that roadmap, the specific roadmap look like for business owners? So there is not one unique roadmap and no two companies are alike and no one company is the same throughout its prop, uh, trajectory of growth and from where it starts and where it hopes to go. So one of the things that is 
fundamental in creating a relationship with an organization is, you know, doing a needs assessment, trying to understand the gap, trying to understand where are they currently, where are they trying to go. Start with taking the mission or the vision statement that you have on the wall or now virtually on, on, on your, uh, uh, you know, your web page and try to share that in the way that you behave through the values. So the values will represent your mission or vision statement because they will encompass how you actually get work done. So that, you know, you can see that's kind of step one. Let's say the next step is understanding who your stakeholders are. Usually we think of oh, stakeholders are the leaders who make the decisions and the, our client, right? There are usually four stakeholders. You have your leaders, so your executive leadership, the organization itself, right? You've got the various teams. So across organizationally, you've got the various teams. You've got the individuals on those teams. So your employees and you've got your client. And usually you should take your community into consideration as well. So think about if you're in waste management and you're working with, uh, you know, the local community and the local community is upset because of how you're handling, you know, your, how, how you're advocating where waste should go and should it go and so forth. You've got to work with that community as well. So you've got those five stakeholders. So let me back up. You got your values, how those values align to your behaviors and how your behaviors uh, govern how you get things done to achieve your strategy, your vision, and your mission. You've got the stakeholders, so your organization led by the leaders, your client, your teams cross-organizationally, cross the individuals on those teams, so your employees, and then the community where you get business done. If not, the global community, as we see now, is really the, the, the reality is we work in a much smaller place because we're all somehow connected. And then what do you do for each one of those? So why are you there for the client? What problem are you solving? That's really the solution. That's your business need is why are you there for your client? That helps you understand your niche and helps you relate back and align with your vision and mission and your strategy and impact your values. Why are you there for your leaders? How are you supporting your leaders? How are you ensuring your leaders aren't burning out at a day when we're expecting leaders to do so much? They're the boss, they're the subject matter experts, they're the managers, they're the leaders, right? So how are we supporting our leaders to avoid burnout and to give them the tools, the habits so that they can actually get to the goals? Then you look at the teams. How are you supporting the teams to innovate and to customize so that you've got diversity in your organization? Diversity helps you get stronger, but then the individuals on those teams, how are you helping them to grow within those teams and then across the organization? How are you bringing communication together so that the doors are open, especially now that most of us are working virtually? And then how are you impacting your local community? What footprint are you leaving in the local community and on the global community? When all those things align, and that you can see why I started by saying there's no one roadmap, mm -hmm. it's a process, not an event, where you're working with this organization and working over a period of perhaps six to 18 months as you see the, the behaviors that its leaders are exhibiting, as you work with those leaders to develop a new mindset and to help to learn, become more emotionally intelligent and aware of their themselves and their organization, and then start to channel those activities and communication across the organization. You can coach and work with the senior executives all you want, but if they don't role model and channel that to the employees on the front lines, mm -hmm. what we learned during COVID, it's those people on the front lines stocking our shelves, getting minimum wage, that are deciding if a company keeps its doors open virtually or physically, or if that company goes under. Yeah. The reason we went back is because those people went the extra mile. They stayed with us after we came out of the COVID bowl, right? They didn't leave us once things got better and we came out of the woods because when we had to hunker down and more lockdowns and let's not get political about this, we recognized that the people who really came through for us are the people that were on the front lines. And those are the people that are generally out there, you know, not making a lot of money. And we forget them and they fall through the cracks. And I think we have to recognize that it's, those people bring as much value as much as the person sitting in the corner office virtually or physically. Mm -hmm. No, I, I think, thank you for that. I, I, I love that response. You know, and to me, I think it's a great starting point, you know, because I'm, you know, 
our responsibility here is to provide folks with some practical guidance about, you know, what do you take forward and what can you implement? I think a great starting point to your point is, you know, take an assessment, you know, ask, you know, to, to ask your people, right? Maybe, you know, where, you know, wh what they're feeling right now, where they feel there are opportunities for improvement, get kind of a sense of that current state. And then you have to put the plan together, the roadmap together to be able to, you know, implement and affect that positive change that we talk about. You know, I also like the comment about, you know, the core value of the organization that this, you know, emotional intelligence, empathy, this should be, you know, core value of your company. And by doing an, an early assessment like this, you'll have a sense of where you are today. And then you can put some strategies in place that will help you make improvements hold yourself accountable as a business owner, a business leader. So thank you for that. I think that's, you know, a, a great place for people to, you know, to take away from today's conversation is, you know, assess where you are today. Um, when you're developing your vision and your mission as part of your business strategy, part of that work is also your core values. And so you have to be able to articulate what that looks like for your organization, but then you have to have the roadmap for how you're actually going to get there. So, you know, I, I love that response. Thank you. You know, we're, we're kind of going from this, you know, we've talked a lot through the last couple of years about the new normal, you know, there's been in managing through significant change, right? Um, but then what's what comes next? What does the next normal look like? There's there's a a <laughs> no. Go ahead. There's a thing, a, a new normal. Yeah. Yes. There's, I mean, you could say every new day is a new chance to do something different and in a better way. But what we experience and what we experience as a global community is definitely an unprecedented normal. And the takeaway, and many leaders will be telling you this right now because they're living it, if you're leading today the way you led before the pandemic, something's wrong. If you're leading today the way we were leading throughout the pandemic, something is wrong. The way we lead today has to respond to the unprecedented situation, to this new next normal that we are in. And, you know, a pandemic means that everyone around the world is feeling whatever disease we're, we're going through. We went through a lot over the past few years. We went through so much racial tension and upheaval. We're going through wars right now. We're going through potential recessions, inflations, uh, and, and we're still feeling the outcomes of the pandemic. It's not over. I mean, it's becoming the new normal, but the next normal. Leaders have to understand, and they don't have a crystal ball. They don't have the, you know, a playbook on the future, but they need to be agile, and they need to understand, how can I pause if I'm, if I, my, my reaction is to behave in a certain way individually, I probably want to behave opposite to that. So if I get angry and my response is to respond and, and insult somebody, I'll do the opposite. And so as an organization, if our response is to be reactive and respond impulsively, that's probably not the right approach. So what I say to organizations and individuals, if you're leading like you did in 2018, 2019, 2020, You've got to move on because we live in a very different world. If you're leading the way we did when we were still dealing with lockdowns and feeling the angst and, and the confusion of the social isolation, the stress, you've got to move on. We need to focus on our well-being. We need to be ambassadors of well-being to others in the organization. We need to extend that empathy. We need to lift people through the influence that we have, that we can use throughout the organization and our communities. We have to create relationships based on trust. We have to extend and earn trust. And this is an opportunity for us where if you think of the alchemy that can exist after a pandemic, it's to take the baseness from where we started of believing that the old normal was a good place to be we have to recognize that where we came from was broken. It was wrong. There were a lot of things that weren't right. And the opportunity is to take that base material and to turn it into something gold and powerful. And that's why we can alchemize our behaviors with values that resonate with our employees, with our communities, with our clients. We can have consistency. We can move forward. And one of the best ways to do that, and no doubt why in 2022, emotional intelligence was at the top of the list and the top of the tongue for everyone. It's because we have to understand, how do I become more aware of myself? 
How do I become aware of the needs of others? And how do I build strong, resilient relationships to weather any storm, any pandemic, any disruption? Because going forward, I won't have the playbook. But I'll, what I'll have is the skill set when I'm riding the bike. If I see a car coming, I'll know how to behave. If I fall, I'll know how to get up. I'll have the skill to help me respond rather than react. And that's where emotional intelligence is very important. So it certainly is not a trend. Certainly, you know, what we're experiencing right now is not a trend. It, it is a next normal, but we get to be active players in that next stage as opposed to participants or passive participants. So I hope that is a takeaway for your audience today and for anyone who wants to move forward and onward. Absolutely. I, I appreciate that. And I, you know, just wanted to, you know, I, the, the, the comment about being an ambassador of wellness, you know, I, I love, I love that. And I think that if we adopt that, um, you know, that mindset that that will serve us all well, you know, at work and at home. Right. So any final words, uh, Mohammed, as far as what you'd like to some of the maybe top one or two uh, key takeaways uh, you shared so many today, but what would you like to leave our audience with today? Just take care of yourselves. Know that you're going to make mistakes, build the resilience to keep moving forward. And maybe just remember what we said about earlier, learn to pause, learn to reflect, learn to reframe the situation before you respond. And if you want to learn how you can do that, build the right habits and systems to be able to move forward and turn that from a habit into a lifestyle, I'm sure, Deb, you'll uh, let people know how they can get in touch with me and we can have future conversations about that as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again, Mohammed. We're absolutely going to have you back, right, Ram? So we can do a deeper dive on it. There's so much here to unpack. And, you know, we have limited time, but uh, this is certainly worthy of further uh, discussion. And thank you so much for sharing your expertise. My pleasure. Yeah, well, thank you, Deb, so much for the conversation. And Mohammed, shukran. Thank you so very much for awesome. uh, you being here with us today. And for you folks, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you learned something new about emotional intelligence and empathy and how leaders can create a healthy work environment. So please do share your comments with us and let us know what your key takeaway was from today's show. And let us know where you're watching the show from. So, Mohammed, before you, we sign off, please uh, let us know how can we get a hold of you? The easiest way connect with me on LinkedIn. You can go to www.mohammedhamoud.com and uh, you can uh, reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. So, any of the social media, Google my name. Uh, and perhaps, Deb and Ram, what we can do is uh, in the comments or in the recording, we Certainly. can provide people with uh, information how they can connect. Uh, it's been a pleasure and I look forward to using my abilities to create a better and safer place for, for myself and everyone around me. For all of us. Thank for you. all of us. So folks, uh, just a few words, you know, upcoming shows on October the 20th, our guest will be Katherine Jones on best practices to build your communication skills and how confidence and clarity creates impact when you talk about yourself and your work. On November the 3rd, our guest will be Hector Varese on how to accelerate the growth of your business to attract investors. On November the 17th, our guest will be Vanessa Cabrera on your winning social media strategy, confidence plus consistency equals conversion. That and so much more. In January, we'll have a live panel discussion featuring Edi Cominos, president of the NAWBO, the National Association of Women Business Owners, the Chicago chapter, and other business owner panelists discussing best practices on how to build, scale, and grow your business again folks thank you so very much remember if you're watching this show on futures television listening to it on radio futures or listening to it as a podcast or as a recorded event on one of the social media platforms you too can be part of the conversation watch for the links on this video how to connect with muhammad and the conversation will continue so uh, you can continue to look at our youtube channel and i hope to see you again soon on another edition of ask Dev about business and again, thank you so very much. We'll leave you with our institutional message. See you next time.